Hey guys, welcome to episode 5 of the Posting and Toasting Show. I'm back from my yoga retreat in Acapulco. It was absolutely wonderful. Thanks for all the, um, you know, reaching out to me about it, guys. Um, today, we have Schwinn. He's back. He's, you know, our regular guy. Schwinn, what's good? What up? And we also have your favorite, I'll say favorite Twitter personality. Should we say favorite um, guy who sent emails to you in a um, in like a group message. How, how should we explain to you, John? Favorite guy who shows up drunk at your door um, when he's had a few scotches too many after a Nick game. There we go. That that's a great description. Just wandering wandering around the neighborhood, um, <laughs> little, little belligerent, little hopeless, little seeking answers to all of life's questions. Um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Any of those are fine. Those are perfect, and you can see. Um, Jonathan Macri doing that in, uh, what, Staten Island? Oh, hell no. I, come on, guys. Listen. <laughs> get, get your shit together. No, we're, I'm in. Piscataway. Yeah, yeah, it's even better. No, I live, <laughs> I live with my wife in, um, the lovely, uh, I'm gonna call it a hamlet, even though it's not a hamlet. I just like that, that term. Um, town of Massapequa Park, Long Island. Oh. Although I am, I am from Staten Island. Ma- Massapequa. That's a, that's a great name. It's well, a great strong great. name. Well, Massapequa Park. It's it, we're 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 not in the in the elitist category of Massapequa proper. We're the mm. we're the little we're the little the dirty little brother to Massapequa. Is uh is that where Satriales is? <laughs> you know, it's funny you say that. There actually isn't a really good Italian store, uh, pork or otherwise, in my town. Um, it's one of the things that I and and sadly I I do miss having that. Um. You know, nearby, but I, we make do. Yeah, yeah. it's hard. That's it's tough. It's tough out here for. <laughs> tough out here, out here for, uh, for uh, Macri. In case you, in case there's people listening to this who have no idea who we're actually talking to, that's Jonathan Macri of Next Film School, and we are here to talk about a number of things. The first thing on the agenda is going to be uh, John wrote something the uh, I guess the other week, and it was the first time. You know, I saw him, you know, with his claws out ready to attack someone. <laughs> so I was like, we need to talk to John about that immediately. Then we are going to kind of stir that conversation into kind of talking about just almost like NBA writing at large, especially just now with the um, with the Internet just growing more and more prevalent in our lives. It's kind of interesting to see how writing has kind of like shaped just, you know, how people have approached writing the, uh, the NBA. And then we are going to answer a bunch of your questions in a new game that we're going to call Ask the Goombas. And a bunch of you guys sent us Twitter questions about different Italian-American stuff, even some Nick stuff, and we're going to answer those for you. So um, let's get right into it right now. So, uh, John, what really annoyed you to really be like, yeah, I need to really write about how everyone is going insane about the next offseason? Um... I guess the easiest place to start is to say what it what it wasn't about, and and I hope I made it made it clear in 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 what I wrote, which is that this wasn't about saying the Knicks had a fantastic offseason. That's that's actually the last that was like not the point at all because you know um, I, Schwinn wrote uh, a great piece of his own before free agency started about why they shouldn't go after Kevin Durant, and we t- I, I talked about that with him, and I think there's incredibly valid points to that. That being said, I think nobody's under any suppositions that the Knicks did would did not very much want to end up the, with, you know, Kevin Durant and, and Kyrie Irving even after um, the injury occurred. Although I, 
have actually questioned that myself of late. But in any case, um, that's I, I, I don't think that I don't think they wanted Durant after the Achilles. I actually believe that. You know, I because all those random like. Like a lot of random stuff started coming out after that about how like yeah. they weren't sure about offering him the max, and it was just no, like I, it was I know. it was weird. I don't know. I, I, I maybe they wanted it still, but it was like definitely more of a. Well, I know they. I know. I don't know if I've said this actually. I I know for. Uh, can I say I know this for a fact? No, I'm not going to say that. I have sources have told you. I, I, the day you hear me say that, just shoot me in the fucking head. Okay, so um, please say it now, please. <laughs> can I curse on this podcast? Oh, um, of course you can. I I feel really very like really comfortable uh, saying on here that they they had significant reservations about bringing in Kyrie Irving before the Durant injury or any of that, um, and. I could see a scenario where the injury maybe not tip the scales. <laughs> that's that's my daughter. She wants to appear on the pod. Oh, that's fine. The more yeah. merrier. She'd say she'd say uh, some things more intelligent than me. I'm sure. Um, so I, I could see maybe after the injury um, to Durant, it, it tipped the scales a little bit. But whatever. Let's go on the assumption that they still wanted to end up the summer with those two guys. They did not do that. That didn't happen. We're, we're, I'm making the assumption that they still at least made overtures or would have wanted to make overtures. Whatever you want to say, that's what they wanted. When you're a, when you root for a team that sets out on a certain path, even if shit happens, and God knows did shit happen, which altered you know the, the path, um, and and it, they don't get what they want. That's not that's not a win. It, even putting the other stuff aside, so it's like the the argument wasn't that the, the off season was great. It's a very long long winded way of saying. They did as what they did, as far as I was concerned, was like there's as good an argument for what they did as as what any any other argument would have been that they should have gone you know and, and held the cap space for 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 draft picks, um you know for for to taking on salary dumps um you know all all I'll, I'll I'll say two and a half of those deals that were out there because of the the Phoenix Memphis one um for the second rounders. But and Josh Jackson. Yeah, don't Stunned. forget about Josh Jackson. Stunned high Josh pedigree, Jackson. high pedigree prospect. <laughs> you know, but no one wrote. It's not even that no one wrote that article. Or I mean, if if somebody did write it, I I certainly didn't see it. To, to be fair, I think uh, I think Bon Temps actually wrote something like a day or two after, and he was like, "Look, the Knicks didn't like." nail the offseason but you know they also didn't do anything stupid with their money and like that's you know more or less what you know i think like it's kind of weird because i think his point was more like he, I don't, he didn't really come out and say it because obviously like you know you can't you can't question your peers on nba twitter um but i think he was kind of saying like look like you can't you can't have all these reservations about them going into the summer about like how they're going to spend the money if they don't get stars and you know don't do the same stupid things of like you know start just maxing guys and giving out long term contracts for guys that aren't worth it. Um, you can't ha- you can't be worried about that and then at the same time like once they don't do that, kill them for not doing that also. So it, yeah. and and I'm happy you brought up Bontemps because you look Bontemps has said things that have annoyed me in the past, but you know what Bontemps is. Someone that doesn't give a fuck what other people are saying, and I respect the hell out of that about him. He's going to say what he thinks, and so you know. And sometimes people call him an idiot for it. Sometimes he gets praised for it. But I respect—I really do respect him because he goes out there with his opinion, and he really doesn't care 
what the consensus is, or I'll even go so far as to say what he's supposed to say. And I felt like a lot of what was getting put out there, and you're right, there are exceptions. He's one of them. There were are a couple other people who were more even-keeled. But for the most part, it was just like, all right, let's get all of our articles lined up. And it was all, it was like just the same, different versions of the same thing. And I thought there was, um, is disingenuousness a word? Is that a proper, is that like a noun I could use? There was a disingenuousness. It, it is on this podcast. Sure. Okay. So I thought that there was a disingenuousness to all of it in the sense that, you know, and I had, it's the funny thing is I had pointed this out in the damn newsletter the previous week that because of, of what Dolan does and how he is, there was always going to be a presumption of ignorance. But at the same time, I'd like to think that I, I, we can hold our, our media people accountable to kind of rising, rising above that and looking at it being like, okay, yes, let me start out whatever I'm going to say about the Knicks offseason with the caveat that, that Dolan is there and he's always going to be there and we don't know how that will rear its ugly head and when it will rear its ugly head. And I started my piece out with that. But then let's also address, you know, the pros and cons of what they went after. And I, I, I felt like I wasn't seeing nearly enough of that and it annoyed me. So yeah, that's why I wrote the piece. Yeah, it's definitely. I'm trying to think of the best way because you are you are right. There was just it was almost like everything was already preemptive and pre-defined like takes in a way, and everyone was kind of trying to like outdo one another of the same version. Yes, of the take. Yeah, and it's such a bizarre phenomenon. I I think it's not even just with the Knicks and the Knicks off season. It's like that now for almost all of like. Uh, NBA, I don't know about other sports, I don't really follow other sports, but definitely in the NBA there's this notion of like, I want to try to take this, like the, this prevailing thought and just keep going further and further out there with it just to be almost like different and it's, and it's not a good look for what's moving forward. Well, so, um, I think it's pretty interesting because, uh, so I remember listening to like some podcast Lowe was on I don't know. It might have been his podcast, some fucking thing, uh, like sometime mid-season probably. And for like the billionth time, you know, they were talking about the Harden trade, right? Like so bad, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, the reasons behind it. And obviously like as soon as that starts, you know, people start talking about how the ownership was cheap, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. And Lowe was just like, look, like, you know, I don't think people talk about this enough, but sometimes like – it's it's really not that complicated and we get so tied into like these narratives and yep. the backstories. I, I remember the podcast and, you're talking about. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he was just like, look, like I just think that to a large extent, like sure, maybe finances came into it, but like they just didn't think Harden was gonna be this. They didn't think he was gonna develop as much as he's developed. And uh that's pretty interesting to me because I think a lot of the kind of half-baked it's almost like everybody's trying to one-up each other with these knicks like hot takes uh you know shout out to fucking piece of shit matt moore sucks at everything he does um you and mean, you mean 90k for uh two and a half hours basketball yeah if you don't know who matt moore is it's at hardwood paroxysm on twitter uh he sucks anyway um but like i think it goes back to just now like people relitigate 
the KP trade constantly and like, oh, well, they just traded him for two maxes and like if they traded him for like it, it's they only they traded him for double max space. They didn't get two maxes and then they signed a bunch of guys to one year contracts. So therefore that trade is bad and they failed. And I guess if you think that like the only fucking purpose of the trade was to clear double max space. Then sure, I would agree with that completely. But like, I just think that it's, it's more than that. Like, I, obviously when they made the trade, right? And this is like ties in with the reporting from Zach Lowe, from Mark Stein, you know, two guys who aren't exactly like shy about criticizing the Knicks or whatever. Um, but like both of them have said in various pieces and various outlets that like, the Knicks had been shopping KP or at least exploring the market. Maybe not yeah. shopping is probably the wrong word, but like not exploring. I think yeah, is a good word. I think they had, a, they had they had been seeing what the market was out there. So you know maybe a team calls and they ask about Porzingis, and you don't necessarily shut them down. Kind of like you say you, you're not that interested, but you hear out what they want to offer. Um, I think they they had been doing that as far back as the 2018 draft, um, and like you know. To me, I think it's like when you hear stuff like that, and then obviously they end up trading him. Um, I think it's pretty obvious that they just did not think he was worth the the fully guaranteed max. They just didn't think that, and so at that point, they were like, "Look, if we're not going to give him the fully guaranteed max, and if he's going to be pissy about it, like, and that's going to be a source of discontent and friction between us and him constantly." Like, we need to move on from this guy, and I think they made that determination a while ago. And, Can I – yeah, and, and I, I want to jump start. in when you're done for real quick. Yeah, yeah, and and so, like, I just think that initially, from all reports, their primary goal was to try and get, like, a young potential star piece plus a pick, right? Like, I, like the, the one that Lowe had was they asked about Fox and that – the, and and uh, Mitchell also, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, but I was just saying, like, like I don't know what the parameters on the Mitchell deal were or what, yeah. what they would have been. But you know, Lowe was he didn't, you know, give out specific specific details. But it was like they tried to build a package around Fox and the second pick, which became Marvin Bagley. Um, so like, I think that gives you an idea of what they were looking for in more asset rich deals. Um, but like, it just seems like those weren't really out there. So then they pivoted to, okay, so like, what do we think are realistic? You know, like, what's, what's a, a total package that we think is worth it for us moving forward? And they were like, look, if we can get off bad contracts, we can get a couple first rounders and we can get a prospect we like, that's a pretty good package for KP, who we don't personally think is a full max player. Like, we don't think that. And, um, maybe I'm giving them too much credit, but like, no, I don't think you are. And well, I look, I just think it's like all the reporting out there is just and, it screams this to me. No, I, I, I look. You, you know me. I will get after this team. Um, sometimes maybe not even rationally so. Uh, when when it's deserved. And and three things I want to say about this. One, Howard Beck, who again talk about a, a guy who who does not do the Knicks any favors. His reporting on the KD Kyrie thing in the piece that came out, whatever it was, a couple days. Afterwards, piece? what <laughs> is, the hit piece? You mean? Well, but he's in that piece. Unless I misread it wrong, or, or, or unless I misread it, I am fairly certain in there he said that they were thinking Knicks 
up until like February. I'm, I mean, his I, argument was like the Dolan thing, like changed everybody's opinion or some shit. Whatever, and that's yeah. just that's gonna be. I'm not. I don't care about that part. But my point is, if he's reporting that they were thinking Knicks up in, at, at, along with the rest of the English speaking world was saying it at that time, then you can't now go back and tell me that that trade was wrong. You 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 make actions in the world, let alone in the NBA, based on the information you have at the time. And the information that the Knicks, I would imagine, had at the time was some version of what everybody else was saying and hearing. You had a really good chance. Yeah. Which you got, you, might, you might get laid. You might get laid. You might get, you might get laid. <laughs> um, that's number one. Number two, um, every one of these people – and, and uh, I will harp on this until the day I die. And I think Porzingis is great. I think if he stays healthy, he will get legitimate MVP consideration at some point in his career. I'm a believer in Porzingis. I will I, not. Yeah, I, we'll talk about there. Porzingis after this. That's fine. Go, continue. <laughs> My, but you can't, you can't be someone that cri- criticizes the organization for its shitty culture and its shitty this that and the other thing and 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 it stinks and it's rotten and all that crap and then turn around and be like you should have then given a 5 year max contract to a guy who again not saying it wasn't their fault originally for souring the relationship it was and that that's on Phil and whatever um you know, and, and this is not even to bring up his other off off the court issues and whether or not he's actually a good guy and the type of type of guy that you you know a stable organization wants to hitch their wagon to, let alone an unstable one. Like you can't have your cake and eat it too if you're going to make this th- that argument. And that actually gets back to the, what we started this whole conversation with, which was that it's 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 not only a group think and it's not only a lack of consideration for the nuance with this stuff and for the potential other side. It's the it's the it's the pointedness of we are not even going to think through our own words and whatever we're writing today in the context of some other hit piece we may have written, you know, about another context because about another issue because these things don't jive. Um, I'm sorry if I'm going off on a little bit of a tangent, but this stuff really does annoy me because there's enough stuff that the organization does that you can point to and be like, yeah, that's stupid, that's bad. But you know it, when it's when it's not fair, it's it's annoying. And like and one one other thing, you mentioned Matt Moore. Look, I, I one of the reasons I write is because of Matt Moore. I you know grew up kind of not grew up reading him, but I've read him a lot over the years. And as, as much as the little Twitter you know prods and pokes like annoy the hell out of me, and and because they do, and I'd be lying if they said they didn't. And I do think that there is a certain um, Oh, God, I mean it's fucking Twitter. So I was I was about to use the word code of conduct, but that would sound like I'd be an asshole if I used that word. This is something that's like it is violated when you do that over and over and over again, and in the way you do it. And it's like, all right, okay, really. At the same time, I mind that less than people who write thousand, like several thousand word articles that that uh, purport themselves to be like considering all points and really thoughtful and and really essentially it's just a dressed up hit piece. That's the stuff that I mind more than like the Twitter jabs. Sorry, I'll, I'll get off my high horse now. No, 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 it's fine. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. The KP stuff is, uh, that, that, that whole thing is bizarre to me because I, I'll just say, I think if he was black, there's no, the way that he's like the shit that's come out after 
uh, the trade, like, and if it was, if he was black and it wasn't the Knicks that traded him, I think that the entire narrative about, like, the, it's that, completely changed. Yeah. It's so different. Uh, it's well, let's, different. Can we call a spade a spade? If the, what's, I mean, look, I, and this is when you get into, like, Dicey Waters talking about this shit, but, you know, the, there's a rape allegation out there. Right. Like, it's, it's there. It's sitting there. It's and it's like I'm not. I, I have no knowledge of the case. I'm not a fucking. Nor do guy. I. Nor I. I, 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 I am very much like I. I purposely like I haven't really talked about it much at all, other than to say like, look, no matter no matter how if he's innocent or not, or if let's let's just assume he's innocent. Like when you when that happens, just having an allegation against you, right or wrong, like. It's going to affect how the team views you, and not just the team. Like people at large, generally speaking, like like you know, you hear like, oh, this guy has a rape allegation against him. You're not like, to me, it's just crazy. Like he's gotten this weird benefit of the doubt since then, and it's like forget, forget the rape, forget, forget even that. This guy is getting into bar fights back home. Like uh, I was listening to. I want the Woj. The only time I've listened to the Woj pod in like years um, was that him and Ramona got on. Like I think maybe a, a week or two after free agency kind of died down to talk about everything, and they were talking about you know oh like the Knicks like they they let, really let Porzingis down and like yeah. he was just this wide bright eyed fucking most pure-hearted kid ever and blah 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 and like you know whatever um and that's fine and then they then they talked about how you know he had been this wide bright-eyed kid when he came in and then he just got really like kind of jaded with the whole friction between phil and mellow and like that impacted him a lot and blah 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 um it's a convenient narrative and well well, i i'm just saying like let's let's just say the narrative is true then isn't it reasonable for the organization which has constantly talked about we don't want to repeat the mistakes of the past we don't want to do that we want to build a culture blah 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 wouldn't it make sense for them then to be like look we had this friction with this star we have all these young impressionable pieces that Whatever we like to varying degrees. Again, let's not talk about how good these varying pieces are. But you know, let's presumably the Knicks like these young pieces they have, or most of them, or all of them, whatever. And they want to, you know, hone them and develop them within like a good culture. Like, if you're looking at learning from your past mistakes, wouldn't it be like, look, let's just get rid of this guy now instead of holding on to him and hoping we can figure it out and make it work. And, and like, I don't know, I just found that bizarre, especially because they were like, they also were like, yeah, you know, look, maybe, like, maybe Porzingis is like, he, he, the New York nightlife got the best of him, but the, and it's like, wait, 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 like, I mean, like, that wasn't the first time I heard that because Rosillo on Simmons pod had echoed something very similar, like, that same week, where he was like, look, I talked to people, and like, again, if there's any place in the entire world that has no problem killing yeah. the Knicks, like, yeah. that would be Russillo and Simmons. And he was like, look, like, I just think, from what I heard, like, they just wanted to get this guy the fuck out of New York. Um, you know, with the <laughs> underlying implication being like, you know, the city was getting, he was like, getting into Matt Harvey mode, maybe. Um, and, and, no, and, and, but just to, to put a, a cap on that, it's a, it's a fantastic point, 
But you, I, I want to just bring it full circle. You, you brought up the race thing before. Like, you want to talk about how some previous black athletes who had rape allegations, allegations hanging over their head, how those allegations have been handled in the past in the NBA? Like, I don't need to bring up names of, of guys who have had this. I mean, fuck, Derrick Rose yes. was here. When that yeah. was was happening, how how often was that mentioned? I, I I remember reading about it often, and and how uh, you know that was a potential distraction. And like like come on, man, like seriously, we're gonna stick our head in the in the sand about this shit. And 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 look, I I remember the Woj pod, and he said it was a one, it was an offhand one line where he was like, um, and I'm not saying Porzingis isn't blameless here, but. And that was it. Yeah. That was the line. Yeah, and it, it was that. That's the one. Yeah, yeah. And you know what? You don't. That's not how it, it works. You can't it, be like you don't. He's get not blameless, say, but you, you don't get to say you're you're down the middle and you're and you're and you're being fair to both sides when you talk about one side's or uh, the argument for one side for ten minutes and the other the argument for the other side for ten seconds. That's not that's not how it works. And and again, I. If it was a healthier organization, you know, if they were further along in what we hope is an improvement on all these things that were that were awry, um, if that had happened sooner, maybe they they are able to rehabilitate. You know, I don't want to say rehabilitate the relationship, but maybe you take a chance on a guy who isn't a great fit in New York because of the other issues. Um, you know, and you trust that he that that you could bring him along in a way that's positive. Um, but for them to actually look in the mirror and recognize, like, this ain't going to fucking go well if we keep this guy here. I actually, like, again, that's something that I would have liked someone to write at some point and been like, good job being proactive, recognizing that it's only going to get worse if he stays in your team where it is right now. But, again, that's not something that gets said, ever. So, you know. Well, oh, he now. tore his fucking ACL. So. Oh yeah, there's yeah. That. No, there's that, that didn't happen though. It's fine. No, it didn't happen. That's, and you know, and KD didn't rupture his Achilles, and that shouldn't ever change your calculus. And you know, no. that's how we know everything just happens in a vacuum, independent of everything else. Yeah, yeah. And it's a good thing now that Porzingis is in a very healthy, stable, progressive <laughs> organization in the you Dallas Mavericks. You are the best with the Dallas stuff, so, man. Can I? No, no. They, you know, the Dallas Mavericks. I swear to God, everyone like they just blow smoke up fucking Cuban's ass. And he is like the most disgusting. Like, oh, like, like all the owners are like equally gross because they're like obscenely old, rich white men. But for some reason, Cuban gets a pass, and you know, he is like, like he's worth like that. I don't think people realize that SI article was so goddamn damning, and it was just like, wow, this is a really shitty, poorly run organization that clearly doesn't care about women. And well, no one cared or even talked about it. Or not child molester. The, the pe- he's like a pedophile or something. The, the guy that had... Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. The coach. The coach. The, it was a coach. Sorry. Or, was he you. coach or scout? I don't remember. Yeah, what I think it was, was No, he was, no, no, he was yeah. an international scout. And he international was, scout. And he was like, of course he worked for the Dallas Mavericks. Yeah. Of course he did. And, and it was care. after... It was after... He had been convicted or whatever it was. I don't know. It was like... A, I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. Maybe Macri can... You know, lawyer us? Yeah, legal. Oh, I, 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 I think it was like a civil case or something. I hung those up a while ago. Don't don't ask me. Um, 
Yeah, but we know why that is. And I, I can tell you why. I was sitting four rows behind him at Summer League when, you know, it's like there's Cuban on the court. Um, and it's like, okay, any, any press people want to come over? We'll have a nice casual conversation. He's open. He's, a, he's good for a quote. He makes their life, everybody's life easier. He's, he's, he's a, a pleasant guy by all indications. So, uh, it's like, another, another funny thing about Cuban too, and people forget this, but like, he was the one dissenting vote uh, against against voting out Donald Sterling, yeah. and like his entire reasoning was like, "Well, we're, are we going to hold owners accountable now for stuff they say like off the court?" It was like a really bizarre kind of. It was logic. a slippery slope argument, basically. Yeah, that, that's exactly what it was, and I'm like, "What is the slippery slope here? Like, don't be a fucking racist piece of shit in a in a league that is what like." 99% black. I, I don't think that's a very slippery slope and, you know, but hey, like maybe he's just can't, hey, look, that, that Texas market, you gotta cater to it. Um, I, I don't know. I just, did you, the did Cuban you see- thing, the guy is a fucking piece of shit. Uh, and he just gets away with it. And like, you know, the thing is, like you just talked about, he's good for a quote and he's good with the media. Like, you can apply the same shit to Daryl Morey. And like, I'm not, Daryl Morey's not like, he's not a Cuban, like he's not a scumbag. Like I think Cuban is or anything like that. I'm not saying that, but like, let's let's be honest here. Daryl Morey, uh, like the guy traded. He he maxed out Paul. Okay, then two years. Then literally a year later, has to deal two first round picks and two pick swaps <sighs> to get that contract off the books because nobody in the league wants it. It's For crazy. Russell Westbrook, another contract that there really wasn't like a gigantic market for. At all. Gigantic market for us. If there's, if maybe there was no market. I have no idea. I'm just saying, like, there was, there definitely wasn't a big market for Russell Westbrook. So, like, that's crazy to me. Um, and then, you know, and then like he just says stuff all the time that you're like, wait, what the hell are you talking about, man? Um, I, I don't know. I just think it's, it is crazy to me the stuff that you can get away with when you're just friendly with the media and give them the shit they want. Like, like if the Knicks were in the position the Celtics were in coming into last season, okay. Just overall assets, roster construction, all that shit. Okay, and then oh, a and year and later, a yeah. year later, you got your two best players walking for nothing in free agency. You replace one with the worst version of himself, and then you replace the other with fucking Ennis Cantor. What what do we think the the reaction to that is? Is it is it like oh like they're gonna build around their youth now and it's positive and and fucking Jason Tatum is gonna take the next step and Jalen Brown is going to become 90% of Kawhi again. And it's like, no. And, you know, not even forget that. Like he let, because he, like he basically was one of the GMs that essentially for all extent intended pur- pur- purposes or whatever, uh, he like didn't bid for Kawhi. And then what happened? Kawhi gets traded to a division rival. Okay. Division rival walks in for a year fucking dad dicks the eastern conference and wins the title okay so like i I don't know i just think it's nuts to me that and hey you could argue that i'm being too too harsh on that on him there no but guess what yes but guess what like you know that if that was a mix they'd be getting crushed for all of that well you know you know the the day one questions would be about well, what was it about the culture that made Al Harford and, and Kyrie Irving so, so desperately want to get out of there? And part of the reason those questions weren't asked, I, I think has to do with, with Kyrie. Um, but again, 
where are the questions about, you know, uh, Ainge, Ainge bypassed all these other guys, and the guy he decided to go all in on, Kyrie, was not, you know, it, it was acknowledged that he was uh, a bit of a, a loose cannon, um, you know, before he ever went to the Celtics. Where are those questions, you know, being asked? And I think that there is a certain benefit to the doubt that is given, benefit of the doubt that is given to Danny Ainge and the Celtics, because... He built all this up from, I don't say from nothing, but he built all this up, you know, out of, uh, all that, this asset treasure chest. So it's like when he doesn't maximize it, it's like, all right. But at the same time, again, I, I really don't want to make this about race, but like, Joe Dumars, right? Joe Dumars built a champion, a fucking NBA champion in Detroit. And then he made a bunch of terrible moves in which case it all went to shit. How do people talk about Joe Dumars like as he's an, an executive? Idiot. Like he's a fucking moron. Yeah, they meme him with the uh, the double cell phone. Exactly. No, that is I mean, a good meme. I guess. It's, it is a good it's meme. It's a great though. meme. It's <laughs> almost as if the championship, and not only a championship, it was another finals appearance that went um, seven like, games against they made like, what uh, seven consecutive seven consecutive. I think it was seven, six or seven consecutive conference finals, which yeah. I I don't know that that's been done um, since then. I'm LeBron. Fair, but not for a single team. We don't hear about any of that. We hear about Joe Dumars, the ass clown, who who made who signed you know Charlie Villanova and and Ben Gordon, and Danny Ainge is you know he's white, um, <laughs> very friendly, you know to to good for a quote. He's connected to the right people, longtime basketball people. I don't you know. It's need very to obvious to... uh, who gets fed leaked information. Yeah, you know. And, and some of them may be from Boston. Some of them may have previously written for Celtics blog. Um, <laughs> you know, just throwing it out there. I mean, so what are we to make of that? I mean, are we are we supposed to stick our head in the stand about the fact that he really did squander what was I I, I argued at one point over the last couple of years that it was like they were as well set up for the future as any team in the league. And I'll, now, I'll, you know. I'll just throw this out there. I've argued this in the PNT slide before. I don't know if I've said it on Twitter. Maybe I have. But I think Danny Ainge is, like, honestly the most overrated executive in NBA history. Completely <sighs> fucking overrated. He made like, – he, he, made- he, he has never actually – like, people always talk about you have to have a plan. You have to have all this fucking vision and foresight. Blah, blah, blah. He, he made the trade. And, and here's the thing. He had zero fucking vision when he built that first championship team. None, no vision at all. Got no vision. He traded for Ray Allen before he ever even knew yeah. Garnett was on the table. Yeah. And he did that with the Celtics coming off of like a 17 win season or something like that. Like they were awful that year before. So he was building around like 31 year old Pierce and 32 year old Allen. And that was like, and some young guys like Al Jefferson and Gerald Green, whatever the hell else they get. Tony Batie maybe. I don't know if he was in that trade. I think he was. Yeah, I think Tony uh, Batie was in that trade. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, yeah, like, that was the plan. That was the, the plan until, you know, Garnett becomes available. And then, oh, wow, looky here. Guess who the GM of the Minnesota Timberwolves is? Happens to be his old fucking basketball buddy, uh, Kevin McHale, who, you know, gifts him Kevin Garnett. And it's like all of a sudden he's this genius Look, they, they won one title. You can't take that away from them. They almost won a second one. Can't take that away from them. Yeah. Um, and then if you also look at the Nets trade, like, he did not have a plan. Because the summer before, he extended Garnett. He extended Pierce. And then he spent a bunch of money on Jason Terry and Courtney Lee. And it was like, 
that was the plan. That like he thought that legit that team could win another championship with how he constructed it, and they were nowhere close. They were like what? They were a seven seed and got smoked by the goddamn Knicks in the first round. Um, like that that was the plan, and that team was going nowhere until mana from heaven in the form of desperate, thirsty Mikhail Prokhorov uh, appears <laughs> to make this trade, and it's like, and it's like that's. That's yeah. he, like there was no vision. It's not like he signed. He didn't sign those guys with a view on trading them. That's absolutely not what happened. Yeah, you're, um, right. you're right. And and so like I have always said like he is good at playing the transaction game in terms of trades. I I will always I'll give him that credit for you know I, that's to me is indisputable. Um, but like I to me to me he's just very like his actual personnel choices with those picks. Um. I don't think he's particularly very good. But he, he, he's good at the transaction game because... And that is a big part of that being a GM, so... Yeah. No, it, 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 of course, yeah, of course, but he, he's been good because the trades that he's made, he, uh, the, he, he clearly gets, I think, uh, better, you know, a good, a good amount of assets out of them, but at, on the same, uh, flip side of that coin is what you started that, that little, uh, rant with, which is that he missed, like, when you, you have to know, when to break your own rules, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and, and he didn't know, uh, because I think in retrospect, it's pretty clear that he, he should have done whatever it took to get, to get Kawhi. So. Yeah. And, and that's like that. And that's, that's the other point too, is like, that's a really good point because, you know, he, he basically did change the kind of like the, the mode they should have been in. The summer before, once he traded for, once he signed Gordon Hayward and traded for Kyrie, like, your timeline changes, right? Like, when you need to kind of start delivering at a high level changes at that point. Um, and it is, you know, you're, you're in win now mode then, and he didn't realize it. And, you know, the end result is what we're seeing now where they're just, I don't know, I, I want to say that they're, what, what are they? I mean, they're basically in what you know people like to call NBA purgatory. In my yeah. opinion, like they're they're a good they're they're a good team. I think they'll probably win forty five games. They'll be a lot happier. There'll be a lot of joyful columns about how great the culture is, and everybody will blow smoke up each other's ass and fucking you know. In the words of, uh, but in the words of uh, the wolf, you know, let's not let's not all <laughs> sucking each other's dicks quite yet. Um, and you know that's really what it is. It's like sure you'll be happier, and I'm sure Ennis Cantor, he's he's become this folklore of the summer in Boston. They already uh, hung his jersey up in the rafters. Yeah. So, I uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm just very interested to see the narratives about that team this year and how it goes because I mean it's just very interesting to me. I, just to bring it back to the Knicks, you know, being a GM, this whole conversation, you know, is a good reminder that. Being a GM is really hard, um, and it's a lot. You know, there's a lot that goes into it. You can never truly have like a, a plan that like encompasses all <clears throat> scenarios, all, all scenarios, um, which is what I, I I don't want to take credit away from Sam Presti this summer accumulating all of those draft picks because look, he I, do. A, I do, <laughs> I, I I knew you would. Look, he has a shit ton of picks, and you know what the easiest way to get people to write nice things about you in the NBA in 2019 with the people that we have writing about the sport? It's to do exactly what, what 
Sam uh, Sam Presti did, which is uh, uh, kick the can. You want to talk about kicking the can down the road? I mean, to, we're, we're writing, we're sitting here writing about 2025 and 26 draft picks. Well, um, it's like I think I think like basically what you're saying is, and I've, I've said this for a while. I think a lot of NBA quote unquote smart NBA Twitter like theoretical value has yep. has trumped yep. like actualized value on the court to the point where i i think even gms like i think it actually and this summer was a nice course correction um where gms seem to like be like fuck this like we're we're in it to win it like the warriors are done out here so like we're going for it um so that was nice but like yeah like i think uh, for a few years before this gms had just become too risk averse like completely risk averse um and it's like i can understand like to me, where the Knicks are in team building, right? It makes sense to be risk averse because, like, you know, what are you really trying to take big risks for when you just came off a 17 win season, right? You you shouldn't be taking big risks then. But exactly. like, yeah, like there are obviously there are different stages of team building, and at certain points, like taking big risks, depending on the risks the, that you choose to make, are good. Are and, and and the stage that the Knicks are in is to desperately not suck complete and total ass and that was the that was the only point that was my main point in my article that i wrote which is that the moves that they made were geared towards not sucking complete and total ass which i think we everybody every smart person should agree like that should be priority number one um and i it's yeah. it's only no no that only matters if you're the Nets because then you can you're proving to free agents that like ah, you yes. culture and you're yes. not about mm. tanking. No. But if you're the Knicks and you do that, it's stupid because you should be tanking. Even though the reason you didn't get free agents is because you sucked and you didn't have a culture. And, and very one very 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 last thing before we I guess maybe move on to questions is the <laughs> the the thing the thing that bugged me perhaps more than anything. Is it was almost like there was a presumption, like, oh, uh, maybe Scott Perry didn't know that he could do salary dumps for, like, what do you think? You think Scott Perry really didn't know a that these trades were out there, and b exactly what was going to get said if he didn't go for one of these trades and use their cap space for this perfect? He fucking knew it. He went out and did what he did anyway. I mean, the guy had conviction. Like this, he clearly went out. And again, again, who the fuck knows if the moves are going to pan out? But to just to just go about your business like ah the stupid Knicks uh uh-huh, you know missed the opportunity like come on guys really could we not be you know fucking lazy? <sighs> well that um that brings up a potential interesting diversion. We can either um just kind of scrap the whole where's NBA writing going part, or we can just start answering questions. Oh, so, I mean it's up to you. Uh, we could we, I I I felt like we kind of talked about it a little bit, but. I, I don't know. Where do you, Drew? You, you've been awfully, you've been awfully quiet, Drew. Where do you think the NBA writing is at right now? Thanks, uh, thanks, host, uh, new co-host Jonathan Mack. <laughs> that question to me. Yeah, we got, we have two, we have two new hosts. It's Macri and uh, Buddha. It's, it's Macri and Buddha. They're just going to take over the uh, the posting hosting <laughs> show, and Schwinn and I will just guest on our own shows. Yeah, that's, actually, that's really that's, the fuck part. It's actually not a bad idea. Um, just looking at it right now, I actually think it's in a really bad place. Um, I know I'm actually part of the problem in a way because I there's almost only two pat almost like three paths you can actually go now with NBA writing. You can actually like be a part of like a journalistic institution that allows you to actually 
go in and re- report certain things and build relationships. So you can actually do like these larger profile pieces that are usually like the better written stuff. And then you kind of basically have block writing, which is like 90% of the writing now where it's just either stat based or film based. And it's and you're kind of just coming to these same conclusions. You have people who like kind of know basketball, like doing like these film analysis who are like, aren't actually, like, you know, being paid to do, like, scouting and stuff like that. Like, it's a really weird thing. Like, if I do something on film, like, I'm not, like, our boy, you know, shout out to our friend of the show, Spencer. Like, that's what he does for a living. So, like, when someone like me does it, it's kind of, like, almost, like, disingenuous. And then for stats, it's almost, like, the same article. Like, we have so much information now that, like, anyone can just kind of research this and be like, oh, yeah, no, I know this. And it's not getting any better because the Internet's only growing larger and there's more and more websites that are allowing more and more people to speak, and I just don't think there's enough um, ideas out there to really, like, push the envelope for anything. I don't know where it's going to head. I don't know if it's just going to be in podcast form or anything, but I, I don't know if it, any if NBA writing can actually improve in any sort of way. It's, a, it's well put. Um, God, I, I'm a big – like, when I write, I'm – I'm a big fan of um, saying what I don't know. Um, I, I try to, if I don't explicitly say that, I try to imply it. Um, because, like you said, like Spencer's out there breaking down film. Um, like people who, if anybody wants to find like stats, like there's a hundred different places to find really good ones. Like I'm, I'm not gonna waste my time sitting and like, you know, writing about them. But mm-hmm. I guess for for me, it's like I. Th- I try to, I guess, just add, I don't want to say add context because it's more than that. I think ultimately with everything that's out there, and you, you made a great point, which is that there's just there's so much out there. If someone's going to read, like I look at myself, I'm a consumer as, as well as a, uh, a producer, I guess. And like when I take the time, because there's so much out there, and like, I have a daughter and like other shit that I have to do, and like I, I read stuff that's not about the NBA, crazy as that sounds. Mm-hmm. It's like I want to make sure that what I'm reading is like enjoyable and like I feel like I'm getting something out of it um, aside from maybe like the information that I'm taking from whatever the piece is, you know. And so and I, I you know, I know um, <laughs> you, Schwen, you, you were subtly criticizing him before, but like Zach Lowe is still like my favorite guy to read just because I I enjoy Zach Lowe's voice. Um, I just I, I like. I like like how he comes across. Like it's a pleasant experience for me. Maybe that's because I've been reading it for so long that I'm comfortable with it. Um, I don't know. Um, but well, like, I, th- I think Glow is actually like you can tell he actually enjoys the game. Yeah, the game. and that and yeah, that it, means something, you know. And it's like, it, but that's all. Like I guess for me personally, that's all I ever want to come across as is like I'm I'm someone who loves what I write about. I don't pretend to know the most about it. But I want it to be whatever I write, even if you're not getting, like, the most information as you could be getting somewhere else, you're having an enjoyable ex- experience, you know, with the whatever, five or ten minutes you take. Um, and maybe there should be, I don't want to say there should be more of that out there, but I think maybe people don't, like, a lot of writers don't um, necessarily worry about that that part of it. They're so they're so worried about, like, making sure that they're trying to get, like, like you, like you said, like, 
I want to find that stat that like you know really like brings us home, or like I want to find the video clip, or like you know whatever the case is. So yeah, I feel like it was um it's almost like you mentioned low, um it's almost like low ruined NBA writing in the sense that like everyone now is trying to do a bad impression of him, or everyone is doing a bad version of Zach Lowe now, right? Because just the difference between like Lowe and pretty much any blog boy like ourselves is that we also are not connected in a way where we're actually like speaking with like very informed people, like with teams who are like in analytics, um, in the analytics uh, department, in the film department with the coaches, all these sort of things. So instead you just kind of have these people who are like completely disassociated and disconnected yeah. from the actual thing trying to do what he does. And I just, it's, it's, I don't think it's working out well. I don't know where. Well, I agree with you. Here. Yeah. And I, 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 and I, I, and I also like, I mean, there's just, look, I, I'm, I'm all about the numbers, right? Like, I think obviously, like, anybody that tells you advanced metrics are garbage is garbage. They're an idiot. Um, because every single team in the NBA uses advanced, like, they all have analytics departments for a reason. It's because yeah. there's an edge there to be had. And that's fine. Like, I'm, I'm with that. But, like, I just feel like we've gotten to the point where it's like, People are so obsessed with proving how smart they are and how stupid other people are that like yeah. it's like we deny that there is human and emotional elements to the game. Um, yeah. Like I saw somebody are like uh, first of all, I think if you if you don't understand that clutch is a thing, I think you're just wrong because you might not <laughs> you, you might not think that. Okay, you might not think that clutch like. I, I agree that I don't think players in the moment, right, in big situations, they're not like, oh man, if, if I don't make this play, like, I'm gonna get killed on Twitter and 50 columns, like, they're not thinking that in the moment, right? But what clutch is to me is like, if you think that teams are playing at the same level of effort and energy and, and concentration in, with six minutes left in the second quarter of a 12 point game as they are with 15 seconds left in a one possession game, like, you're wrong, man. Like, you're just wrong. I'm sorry. You are. Um, and to me, like, that's where this idea, like, I think there is an idea of clutch. I think there are guys that perform better in high pressure situations. And I don't know what constitutes that necessarily, but like, I'm sorry, man, but if you didn't fucking watch Michael Jordan and like, know that that man was clutch, like I don't Something's know what wrong. to tell you. Yeah, I don't know what to tell you because like that thing exists. It is there. Um and like forget even that, but like you know, people always dismiss like I always see like this kind of snooty attitude towards like oh culture and um you know if you want guys that, that have the right attitude and are model professionals and like this is actually something that happened that happens all the time with rebuilding teams that choose to maybe sign a veteran or two right and usually like their logic is we want our young guys to be around model professionals and i always see that like you know you see like snarky comments about that and sure in excess it is stupid to do that but in moderation like yeah that absolutely has value man that does have value like like i i, I can't even fathom not thinking that has value. like even the sixers at a certain point were like look we have young talent like, let's get in some competent but not good veterans like Jared Bayless in here. You know, yeah. like, let's get these guys in here and at least we can, like, you get, like, that's just how it, or otherwise you just become the fucking sons. Yeah. Okay? 
Like that, the Suns have eschewed all that for what I, four or five years, and like, look at what what are they? They're just a clusterfuck of fucks. Like they they <laughs> suck. Um, they're garbage. And like, sure, people will be like, well, how can you say that the Knicks suck too? Okay, I mean, look, am I a homer? Absolutely, I'm a homer. I fucking write for a Knicks blog, and I have a podcast that is centered around the Knicks. Of course, I'm a homer. Um. But like, you know, about other teams, I like to think that I'm 100% objective. And I look at the Suns and I'm like, that is a joke. <laughs> that is a joke. That entire franchise is a joke. Um, and, uh, then I, then I also look at other teams like, like I, I've been saying for a while that I think the Kings are actually like, they haven't been like the smartest team. I don't think giving Harrison Barnes the contract he got was very smart. Um, but like, I think over the last two or three years, overall, I would say, like, from Vlade's first summer, he learned a lot. And I think he's actually improved a lot in terms of at least trusting the right people around him and building a culture and building uh, a talent, a, a core of young talent. Like, they're actually in a pretty decent position. Um, but, like, they're still kind of this joke, right? They're still, like, this joke on NBA Twitter. And it's like... I mean, what are we joking about here? They have wait, maybe the best young point guard in the game. Like, oh, he's, like, he'd get he'd get my vote. I think that guy's gonna be a fucking stud. Yeah. He's gonna be awesome. Yeah, like so they have that. Like they Bagley, who I wasn't high on at all coming in. Like well, he's, I think he's he, about to probably make. Or I shouldn't say that, but he he got elevated he to the main Popovich. Team USA roster. You know, yeah, he must have impressed Greg Popovich. Like yeah. to me, that means something. I know that apparently appealing to the authority of Greg Popovich doesn't mean a lot to uh, NBA Twitter, but it does to me anyway. Um, like they have. Giles, they have like you know they have these young pieces. It's like an interesting team. It could become something. I think that's generally when you're a rebuilding team, like that's kind of the first positive step that you hope for. And you know, and then like you know, finally, I think also with uh, a lot of the discussion is, you know, it's like the laziest bullshit that I always see on Twitter is like mid range shot is bad. Take threes, more shots at rim. And it's like, that's it. That's that stand, that, that, uh, to people apparently is genuine analysis. And it's like, look, if it was that simple, yeah. then I have no idea how the Spurs, who take more mid range than anybody, took, I think, the least shots at the rim and maybe the least shots from three this year too, in terms of at least percentage of shot distribution. Um, they were like the fifth ranked offense in the entire league. Uh, yeah. like there's obviously more to basketball than just shot distributions and fucking collecting assets and like it, it's it's more like you're dealing with humans, you're dealing with a very very like this isn't baseball, right? Like what is good for one player to quote uh Robert De Niro <laughs> in The Untouchables? It's not necessarily what's best for the team. Like it is in baseball. What's good for you as a person is best for the team almost in every situation. Um basketball is not that. Football I, is not that either. And like these are those are sports where I think analytics definitely have value. I'm not trying to, to say but I, I think that the I think that what is mod like the publicly accepted value of analytics is very, very, very different from what I think is available to teams' as own private data. No. I, I would, I would strongly, strongly, you know, I strongly believe. That. I agree. I agree with you. I, I just, and to, on your larger point about like, 
where people's heads are at and not, not to, not to make this too, uh, wide reaching a, a point, but like, you know, it's like politics today. It's like there's no middle ground. Um, in, in NBA, you know, writing analysis, whatever you want to call it, it's like, if you're, if you dare suggest that there are things to the sport other than, um, the, the, the numbers and the, the advanced stats, then you Charles Barkley. Um, you know, it's like, it's possible to consider like all of the smart nerd stuff because it's very legit and it's real while also considering the stuff that is not the smart nerd stuff because that's just as real. And it's like, we have to get to a point where there are more people out there who are able to speak intelligently about all of these different, um, things, you know, and, um, you know, and I, I, I think this, this also connects to your, to your point, um, about, you know, perception of, you know, sad sack teams like the Knicks, like the Kings. It's like, again, where's the middle ground? If you, if you defend the shitty team that's been shitty for a while, you're a homer and you're not objective. Um, so it's like, all right, we got to go like 180 degrees in the other direction. And it's like, we have to kill them. Well, no, it's like, yes, as I've said, when you're talking about the Knicks, it's like, it's okay to be like, we have no idea if these moves are going to pan out. They could suck. It could backfire. But at the same time, there is a logic to these things that if you choose to see it is there to be seen. It's like, it's not, you know, we need to get better at, at, at kind of going middle of the road with this stuff and how we talk about it. And, um, you know, hopefully that happens in the years to come. But yeah, we'll just see. just a last point. I think like a really good litmus test for this is just anybody's opinion on Kobe. Um, and I've like, <laughs> tweeted it. I've tweeted this several times. Like I love this. I I was not a Kobe fan when he was in the NBA. Um, I thought maybe he was the best player in the league for like one or two seasons max. A couple couple years. Yeah, and I never have believed that he like should have won more MVPs than he did or whatever. Um, but at the same time, like, uh, I think it's really weird that people just look at his numbers and then they compare them to, like, Harden, and then they're just like, oh, Harden's better because of all this stuff, and, you know, rings don't matter, and he had Shaq, and all this shit. And it's like, I, I don't know, like, I just... I don't know where Kobe ranks all time. I I don't think he's a top ten player all time. Uh, I but like I understand why some people think that, and I don't think it's unreasonable. Um, and like you know, you can't just look at, at this is going to happen more and more. This is going to happen more and more as we keep moving into like uh, an era where teams are smarter, so they can maximize efficiency much better than we did in the past. Um, like. You're gonna see people compare players to past generations, look at their true shooting percentages, and just be like, well, this player is better than this player because this. And it's like, you can't divorce Kobe from the era he came up in. It's a, it's a, can we just say it's a different sport? It is, it is almost literally a different sport. It really is. And, and it's like, like to me, it's crazy to be like, well, Kobe just shot a bunch of mid-range. It's like, yeah, no shit he did because you want to know why? Because everybody in the NBA then was like – like he grew up, first of all, like everybody in the 80s and 90s was shooting mid-range, right? He kind of came into the league as 
players were starting to extend range out consistently. But like even for most of his prime, not really. We we yeah. know who the guy is that really gets the short end of this stick, and uh, you know I have not har- I'm not shy about criticizing um, um, our friend uh, Mr. Anthony. But that you want to talk about a guy who was like wrong place, wrong time. Um, like as the league was changing, it's like when he came in and started doing what he was doing, the league was not, you know, like it is now yet. No, and by, it's not. It by the time he exited, and he's gonna get the historical. Sh- and look, I've criticized him obviously, but he 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 does not deserve nearly the amount. Uh, and I've criticized him for a lot of other things. But for like the the amount of criticism that he gets for how his game like didn't adjust in time, it's like come on, that's like, that's not really fair. Yeah, and I I just I don't know I just always like I don't know and my final my final little tiny rant will be like I think it's weird that we talk about who is a good shooter and who's a better shooter just by looking at their three point percentage because like I know that LeBron has a better three point percentage than Jordan. But you will never fucking convince me that he is a better shooter than Michael Jordan. Because to me, <laughs> shooting encompasses, like, it encompasses mid-range. It does, because guess what? You shoot from mid-range. Um, and like, if you look at their percentages, I mean, Jordan had a year where he shot 50% from mid-range. 50% from mid-range. Like, that's, that literally, I mean, Drew's probably like orgasming just hearing that. Um, like that, that's a, that, Breaks your defense. But the, like that, but the reason that he was 50% from mid-range is because he locked himself in a gym and practiced shooting those mid-rangers, you know, right. uh, ad nauseum because, and he did, as opposed to spending all of his time behind the three-point line, because that's not something that you did. It's just, it, again, it was a different game. If we've transported him to today, to your point, you don't think he would have figured out how to be a forty percent three point shooter? I mean, come would, on. would he have even needed to? Like that's see, that's the thing. That, like, like Jordan's like one of those weird ones because he's. You look at his all his advanced numbers, and you're like, well, yeah, right. no, it's, it's <laughs> you're like, all right, no, well. you're, no, you're, you're, you're hey, look, let, can we just? <laughs> he would have figured out how to be. As efficient as as he could have been, as you know, as the as the times changed with it. And I I would just argue that generally speaking, like the best scorers, um, all of them, the best scorers in the NBA, in my opinion, are like the guys that are really deciding titles and shit like that. Um, they're all good mid range scorers. Like Durant's the best scorer probably in the league, and he's like you know his mid range is Golden State. I'm, shot a bunch more mid-range when he came in because they were like, okay, well, if you can hit it, like, we're gonna, we're gonna use that. How about uh, the reigning finals MVP? Right. And yeah, I was gonna say, Kawhi also, like, he's a monster for mid-range. And it's like, when you, when you have guys that can, you know, people throw around three-level scorer a lot. Like, that's, you know, yep. oh, this guy could be a three-level scorer. But like, the reason why that's so valuable is, because ideally, right, like as we know, teams want to force you to take mid-range shots. Well, if you're good for mid-range, teams are like, fuck, well, what are we going to do with this guy? <laughs> like, we can't force him mid-range. We can't force him. From, you know, that's why Dirk was so fucking good too. Because he would like, he would just make these absurd one-legged fadeaway, whatever the hell that shit is, from like 18 feet out, and he's just draining it and draining it. And you're like, all right, well, I don't really know what to do with this guy at this point. So let's just pray. <laughs> let's just hope he misses. Yeah, right, well, it, it, yeah, yeah. No, it's a good point. Yeah, yeah good point. I'm going to transition awkwardly into our last segment. 
because you know I did such a good job. I think it was a lovely transition. I think it was good. Yeah. It's probably the yeah. best transition I've ever heard. I, thank you guys. I really <laughs> it's appreciate as good it. as a, it's as good as a transition in a Dill album. Oh, definitely. Oh man, now now we're talking my language right now. But um, we're not going to talk about Dilla. We're going to play a new game called Ask the Goombas. And if I'm you don't so know what a Goomba is, it is a... Um, it's me. I'm a Goomba. It's Yeah, it's basically Jonathan Macri. It's just, you know, just like Italian guys from the Northeast, you know. And, and, our, and our good friend, James Marseda. Oh, and our good friend, yeah, good friend James, who overloaded us with tons of questions <laughs> on this, uh, on this uh, segment. So I'm only going to get to some of them because okay. I kid you not, he wrote like 25 questions. On and Twitter. they're all good. And they're all good. And I mean, they really hit the spot. So we're going to start off with him asking saucer gravy. Now, this is going to be my first time learning what uh, Mac thinks about it. But um, also for myself growing up in uh, Northeast New Jersey in uh, an Italian family, um, we called it sauce because sociopaths call it gravy. I agree. Uh, I also, in, like, unless you're in a house that, like, I don't, I, to me it never made sense to call it gravy because gravy is its own thing that, and we celebrated Thanksgiving like everybody else, and it's like, well, what do you call the shit you put on the turkey if you're gonna call sauce gravy? Yeah, it's, the whole thing doesn't make any sense. There's no, I actually did some research on this just to be like, where is it actually coming from? Oh my um, god. <laughs> so it's primarily, Older Italian American generations that were actually coming to the states back when, like, there's a mass Italian migration, and they didn't actually have. There's no like really Italian word for gravy. Okay, and they wanted to just kind of assimilate with American culture because all Americans were calling that were calling the brown shit gravy, yeah. or if you're or ah. from the south, the white you know the white shit. Yeah. So they wanted to assimilate and be like, yeah, this is our version of gravy. It's just red. So that's how it kind of stuck uh, um, with it. Nice. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so sociopaths call it gravy. And if you don't think that's true, um, Tony Soprano and his family call it gravy and they're all monsters. So yeah. just so did, one so did, so did, so did, uh, Vito. Vito Spadafore calls it gravy too. Oh God. This is. Oh yeah, he did. Yeah. Gravy's good yeah. tonight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of the Sopranos, our next question comes from, hold on. I want to make sure I pronounce his last name correctly because I'm no, I'm going to screw it up. Uh, Futternick? David Futternick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Funny. Yeah. Yeah, so um, I, if I butchered your last name, I mean. No, nah, you got it. Yeah, it doesn't matter anyway. He asked, the, what, who's the better Sopranos villain? Richie, Ralphie, or Leotardo? I actually oh. spent I spent a lot of time. You go first, Schwinn. I, I've it's, spent some time thinking about this. It's Ralph. It's Ralph. It's obviously Ralph. Ralph has so many layers to him. Come on. Come on. It's, it's Ralph. Like the guy – it's like he has there's an entire storyline for an entire season of him like he makes a joke about Jenny Sack. <laughs> That's an entire season. Like he's he's the best one. And he's such a piece of shit, but you also kinda like him. I don't know. He he is the best one to me. Uh Phil I think I think Richie is the most annoying because he's just like angry and not funny at all. I don't know, Phil's kinda annoying as well. I but mean... Phil is hilarious. Yeah, Phil was like, also un- hilarious. Yeah, Phil is like unintentionally hilarious. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's just like this old guy who's like just goes to New Jersey, like I'm gonna yell from my attic, and like you're not gonna get me. Like, dude, yeah, well, get out that's, of here. That's because fucking- they got this fucking pygmy thing over in Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Phil is no, much better than Richie. April is the worst. He's no, the worst. I agree. I'm just he's saying, worst, like yeah. Phil also. Sucks. Can I? Can I? Can I interject? Because I, I again, I, I agree with you. It, it's Ralphie, um, obviously. 
Um, but Richie, th- he was there was a badassness to him that I don't think you can completely deny. And yes, he was annoying, but come on, that guy was angry as all fuck, and that was I, I thought that that it deserves. Deserves some credit. He deserves some credit for that. I'm I'm old school Janice. That's what he says. <laughs> when he just or when he just beats the shit out of Beansy. Oh man, <laughs> that's uh, top 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 five beatdown in the show's history. Which one? He beats him down twice. He beats him down in the in the, the second time. <laughs> the second. <laughs> oh man, if we. We should just make a James roll in his grave and just do an entire like Sopranos episode without him. That would be that'd be fun. <laughs> well, I'll plug actually. You, you, you know, Futternick asked the question. I'll plug his new pod. He has a, a Sopranos podcast. Um, I believe the name of it is O, like just O H with several exclamation points. Um, uh, and it's uh, it's actually quite good. They go episode by episode and just fucking bullshit about it. It's uh, yeah, I could listen. I could talk about the Sopranos forever. Listen about the Sopranos forever. So well, that sounds exciting. So uh, look at that. You got free advertisement, Futternick, on the uh, <laughs> yeah. on this podcast. Pay but, it forward. Um, pay it forward. Yeah, pay forward. He uh, was my companion in in Vegas for summer league, so I, I owe him at least that much. Yeah, oh, he's yeah. keeping all your secrets. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, oh God, God knows what happened <laughs> in Vegas with you two. Um, our, next, <laughs> <laughs> our, uh, our next question is from Lotus Selfie. Selfie. Um, I don't know if you guys have been to Naples, but this is a Naples based question. Is it Di Matteo's or Sobio's for, uh, for pizza? I have never been to Naples. I've never been to Italy. I have I Naples. Um, and I, but I was young. I was like, uh, God, I think I was 22 when I was in Naples and, um, I was not great with, um, like, knowing the spots that I should go, and I did not hit either of those. So I'm sorry. I can't answer that question either. But right, Naples well, is great. Naples right, is all. Well, clearly, I'm cl- the culture-traveled one who's been to Naples twice. So uh, I think I think yeah. I'll be able to answer this question, even though I haven't been to Sorbillo's. I've been to Di Matteo's, but it's really good. It's not my choice. The choice to go to is Storina's. That place is the best pizza in Naples. Hands down. Okay, is it uh, as good as pizza in New York? Uh, yeah, I would say so. All right. Okay. Interesting. Like, I, I mean, like pizza in Naples is like a whole other level of pizza. And again, like Neapolitan pizza is still is I don't want to say fundamentally different than like New York style pizza, but oh, I, I would say it is. But I think it, it is. is when you isn't it more New saucy York, and like thinner? Well, well, no. So not even just like. The, how they make it, like the actual makeup of the dough is different than when you're making a New York style pie. So you have a different style of like the dough itself is almost like chemically different. Then you're cooking it in two different types of ovens at different types of heats. So there, that also comes into play because for a Neapolitan pie, you have to cook it at a much higher uh, temperature to really get like the bubble and the crisp and all those sort of stuff. Um, the sauce is actually different as well between Neapolitans and New York style pizza. Um, I actually don't know the actual difference between it, but when you're making a New York sauce, you're cooking the um, the onions in both garlic, not garlic, you're cooking in both butter and oil. Um, I don't really know what they're doing, the Neapolitan thing. Um, different types of cheeses, you're do, talking about like a fresh mozzarella compared to a block mozzarella. So It's like basketball 20 years ago versus basketball now. You can't compare it. It's different, different sport, different food. Yes, yeah, it's, to- it's totally different things, but it's um, amazing. If you get to Naples, go to Naples, it's... 
probably my favorite Italian city. It's it's so gross, but it's so beautiful. It's so unique. It has its own vibe. It is, it is so gross. Can I second that? But it but I agree. It is beautiful. It has an unmistakable vibe that I've never. I've been to Italy three times, and there's nothing like Naples. It's, yeah, it's I. That's like the place I recommend. Like Rome, eh? Just go down to Naples. It's the locals are better. The yeah. food is better. Yeah. It's, it's the whole thing is great. I agree. All right, so our next question is going to come from Schwinn. Is he a frenemy, a friend, or an enemy of the show? Um, Alex Wolf. He's just a fucking scumbag. All right, scumbag, <laughs> of, <laughs> scumbag of the show. Alex Wolf presents um, the Godfather or Goodfellas. One's got to go. And Goodfellas. I'm going to answer this because you know what? Goodfellas no. goes. Get no. that's not even a question. Get the fuck out of here. No, no, no. Just Godfather. hear me out for this thing. Alex thinks he's being clever by just saying the Godfather, right? The idea of like. I can take away The Godfather, still watch Godfather 2, and have Goodfellas. Yeah, I mean, a, uh, both the Godfather, the first two Godfathers are better than Goodfellas. I'm sorry, they just are. Like, no, but but that's not but that's not fair because I, look, obviously the the Godfather is the the greatest achievement in cinema for the last you know fi- coming up on 50 years in in uh, in two years from now, three years from now. Goodfellas um, is more rewatchable. Like it's, yes, it's more, that's, it's, it's, that's it's an easier watch. It's more fun, like yes. for sure. But if you're talking about what is a better movie, it's it's just not close. I'm sorry. It's oh yeah, good. no, definitely. The the Godfather is one and two are definitely better than Goodfellas. But the question is worded. The question is worded where Alex thinks he's trying to get one up on us. It's like I can get my Godfather fix by watching Godfather two while keeping Goodfellas still relevant. So I get the best of both worlds. And like if Alex you, thinks he was clever with it, and he's not. But if you ask me right now, like, I'm, I, I could only, like, I'll never be able to watch one of these movies for the rest of my life. I, I can only have one that I'm able to rewatch. Like, my, I'm sorry, my answer is going to be Goodfellas. And not, again, that's not to say that it's the better film, but it, that's, that would be my answer. Yeah, I mean, that's fine. It's like, it's like, sure. I mean, if you had to pick one movie to watch the rest of my life, like, Godfather or Face Off, I would choose Face Off. Right? Oh like, yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, and it's it's not because Face Off is even. Oh, I don't I don't know about that. I'm pretty sure Face Off may rival. Awesome. <laughs> Face Off may rival The Godfather in the AFI Top 100 list, if I'm not mistaken. I haven't looked at it recently. It might. Because it's definitely and like it's definitely. <laughs> it's definitely like if it's the top five for the AFI list, I'm pretty sure it's like Godfather, Face Off, and there's um, a game. What's it called? Uh, Con Air and like Apocalypse Now. I'm pretty sure that's like the top four. You gotta watch. Like have you ever watched? Have you ever watched uh, Hard Boiled? No, no, I haven't seen Hard Boiled. That, that's definitely one of my. You've got to watch Hard Boiled. That's so. That's like a John Woo movie with Chow Yun Fat, and he's like basically rescuing babies from a hospital while like everything is blowing up. It's amazing. You should watch oh, it. Oh, that sounds that sounds right up my alley. Yeah, it's it worth, it's worth. I think his name. I'm pretty sure his name in the movie is Tequila. Oh, oh nice. that's I'm very down for characters being named after alcohol. Yeah. Like Chalian Fat and John Woo together, it's just like it's, it's name a better name a more iconic duo. Uh John Travolta and Nicolas Cage. Nicolas Cage. <laughs> <laughs> that's the only movie they ever did together though, right? Yes. Yes, the only one, which is which is really sad because they could have done they could have done so much together. The um all right, our next question is from BRK's and this is an odd question because I don't really know why like it goes together. I think it's just because of the names. It's a uh, gabagool or moots. And um, if you don't know what either of those are, 
Um, Gabagool is Capicola, so it's like a hot spicy ham. And Moots is supposed to be mozzarella, like, you know, mozzarella cheese. So I don't know why they're pitted against each other because, like, you have them together. I think it's like if you had to, you know, if you want, would you rather have this meat or this cheese? Oh, Gabagool. I'm, I'm taking the Gabagool every single time. Um, I don't know that I'd be able to survive the rest of my life without uh, mozzarella. And that's not because I love eating mozzarella by itself necessarily, but like, like for, oh, like, I do. I mean, I, I will, and I, I'll, I enjoy it enough, but like, pizza is my favorite food, um, and if I couldn't have pizza for the rest of my life, I'd be miserable. Mozzarella is a, a go-to choice for me on, uh, paninis and other sandwiches, um, so, yeah, I, I gotta go with the mutz. Uh, it's, yeah, it's gabagool, definitely gabagool. I can just, I mean, I would die of a heart attack, but I could yeah. just eat that all day, every day, and just, I mean, I, yeah, it'd be, it, it would suck. For like my physical health, but um, mozzarella like, awful for you. It is, but it's like I don't know. I I, I think I, for me, I just feel like <laughs> gabagool is like its own. It's yeah, it's its own special kind of awful. For yeah, you. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Our um our next question is definitely from uh, enemy of the show Zach Deluzio. <laughs> <laughs> He writes us, would you rather eat a meatball sub from Subway or eat pasta with regular ass ragu in a plastic bottle? This is a good question. You are not allowed to prep in any way. No added basil, et cetera. All right. Can I, um, can I take this? Cause I, go I, ahead, take I, it. I, I saw this and I, I, I am, I consider myself like a good Italian. Um, I, I, I fucking made sauce yet. Yeah. yeah no, two days ago. Sorry. Not oh, yesterday. Two days tangent, ago. This is, a, this is another, um, James Marcita question. How's your sauce game? My sauce game is great. I do, um, uh, ch- like to get the little cherry tomatoes. Um, yeah, and that's, that's always the, the base of my sauce is throw those with olive oil and, uh, garlic and onion. And, um, I always throw a couple of little goodies in there. But in any case, um, as a good Italian, I'm also, uh, secure enough in my Italianhood to recognize that, like, Italian, like, generic knockoff shit can taste good. Like, I I have had jarred sauce, and to be honest with you, I don't think it's that terrible. I've had meatball subs from Subway. I don't think they're that terrible. It's like like Domino's pizza. It's like, I'll enjoy a good Domino's pizza. It's a different... It's, again, getting back to the conversation, it's a fundamentally different food. It's not, like, I don't feel like I'm eating Italian food if I eat, like, a, a Subway, you know, meatball sub. But it's like, I don't think it's... I, I'm sorry. I don't think it's bad. I think some jarred sauces are like, all right, they're fine. They're whatever. They have a taste. They're too sweet. But I like sweet. Sweet's fine. That's oh man, I am. Um, I appreciate that answer. That was really bold. Um, I'm really. I'm not you thinking know, you, it's not bold. I was gonna say. I mean, if you need any support for the backlash that's gonna come out from uh from that take, I'm. Uh, I, I'm I know it's you. coming. That's fine. I know it's coming. Um, I too am confident in like sauces and stuff like that, and I can say there's definitely been some good jarred sauces. The problem is Subway sucks. The meatball sucks. <laughs> the bread sucks. That's the cheese fair. <laughs> sucks. Like, Subway meatball sandwiches suck. And you know what they do? They probably use generic-ass ragu sauce, too. And, like, so if you're just using – if I'm just – you're just giving me the generic pizza so, um, and pasta sauce, I can get really good pasta to, you know, cook it with. And if it's cooked properly and the sauce is just okay, like, at least I know I'm having a good carb with it. 
for Subway, I'm not getting anything that's good out of it whatsoever. So definitely not the meatball sub. The, the, sauce, the jarred sauce is fine. That's fair. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the jarred sauce. I don't really have a strong opinion about this because both suck, and I would probably never eat both. Um, yeah, but if I had to, uh, if I had to, I would just suck it up and eat the eat the jarred sauce. Like it's not good, but it's edible. Whereas like Subway meatball, it just that thing looks so disgusting every time I'm in there. It's just like. Yeah, it's- it's, ugh, I'd rather just like shove a fork in my eye, um, than. Schwinn, you're no better than these elitist NBA writers. <laughs> you really are. <laughs> Fuck you. Are we, are we doing this, uh, this KP question here? Oh yeah, that was actually my next one. Look at that. Um, our next question is from Obi-Wan Kenari. Uh, he writes, will KP be one of the few Knicks to not get the OCAC treatment ever or does time heal all wounds? Then the follow-up no. is, if the future, ha- um, if the, if in the future he becomes a free agent, would the Knicks fans forgive and push to re-sign him for a second tour? I um, think that I could see them resign I, in however many years if he's like good and they have cap space and there's nobody better to take their cap space. Like, sure, why not? But if if he never plays another game for them, fuck that. No, he's not getting he's not getting any recognition. What are you kidding me? Uh, yeah, he's, not I, gonna, he's not gonna get. I, I think. There was probably a point maybe two years ago where he was like the most beloved Nick since uh, I don't know since one of those nineties Knicks like be LJ careful with Houston. that be, be careful with that word beloved. Um, but yeah, now I think he is persona non grata. Uh, yeah, he's like the most hated Nick. Uh, I don't know since I can't I can't, I can't think of a I can't think of a I honestly. Don't think in the in the history of the team, um, there's a comp since like Riley. I guess since Riley, but Riley wasn't a player. But yeah, since Riley, uh, he's probably the most hated Nick. Um, and do I think Knicks fans would forgive him? I mean, look, if he's awesome, sure. I think Knicks fans would forgive real quick and push to resign him. But you know, to go back to, I just I don't think he's gonna be awesome. Um, I think he's gonna be like a good player. Uh, he definitely won't suck. Um, but like, I mean, I don't know. Is he better than Jokic? Is he better than Cat? Is he better than AD? Like, that's basically the level you're talking about for his position that he needs to be at to be a meaningfully great player, in my opinion. And so, I don't see it. And, you know, there, there's a lot of young guys coming, like Jaron Jackson's coming, Bagley's coming, Wendell Carter's coming, Mitchell, our own Mitchell Robinson. It's coming. Um, there's just, I don't know. I, it's hard. It's hard for me with KP because I just think like the holes in his game are so glaring and he, even making progress in some of those areas would still leave him as subpar. So I don't know. I fuck him. Fuck him. And he can have fun in fucking MAGA as Dallas. Um, <laughs> fuck him. I don't care. Well, yes, MAGA that's, yes, that's where I was going with, you know, KB can go fuck himself. You can go be, you know, hating women down in Dallas with the Mavericks. Tim and Cuban and um, the editor in chief of uh, what's it, Breitbart, can uh, all get along and have their uh, their conversations together. Did you guys see that uh, tweet at all from uh, Cuban? I'm just gonna keep slamming Cuban. He had a tweet the other day. He was like, "If you point, you should. If you see racism on Twitter, point it out." And then everyone kept showing photos of him and that uh, gross ass, disgusting former editor in chief who was um, Trump's. Like, oh, I, I can't remember his fucking name now. Yeah, you know, know who I'm talking about, right? Yeah. It's like, yeah. it might as well be David Duke. 
Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's basically David Duke, and everyone's like, uh, Cuban, you, you're the racist, you're doing that. And Cuban's like, well, I was just trying to change his mind. It's like, fuck out of here. No, you weren't, you fucking liar, piece of shit. You and KP are meant for each other. Like, Jesus Christ. Absolutely disgusting. Yeah. yeah they'll, they'll enjoy themselves in uh, Dallas with their lame-ass all generic food. Even though the barbecue down there is good. They, oh, the, sure. the, the barbecue is good, but they, um... They love themselves some some meatball subs from Subway. Oh, they definitely love meatball subs from Subway. Oh, yeah, That's... I love this. I love Italian food. Oh, it's so good. Oh, the meatball. <laughs> is it, uh, I don't know. If, you know what? This will be a second to the last question, because I'm going to end out one more uh, Italian-American one. This is from – we're gonna. I'm gonna you know what? I'm going to say friend of the show, because I don't want to be like I'm hate minors. Uh, Jeremy Cohen uh, asked us, uh, fuck, Mary kill, Lance Thomas, David Fisdale, Frank Nilakina. Oh, this is so easy. This is, this is the easiest one, but I'm gonna let, uh, Macri go first. I just want to hear what he says about, uh, who he's killing, cause he's definitely not killing Lance Thomas. Um, I, 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 I don't <laughs> know how to answer the question because, um, as, I, I, I'm not, I'm not attracted to men, so I don't know how to answer the question. That's like, a cop out. Who, no, but like, who do I think I, I could appreciate a, a good-looking man? Um, so if you're asking me who who is the the handsomest of the three, I guess that would be the person that I would want to I would have to fuck, right? Is that how? The, like, no, you just it's like it's like who who could you deal with for one night? Who could you deal with for the rest of your life? Who could you not deal with at all? I really don't want to have sex with a man. You got to. You got to, man. This hey, listen. This is a gender fluid podcast, man. We don't care. We are down for all this stuff. You no, I'm, answer, listen. I, you I, want I, me to answer it first? Cause no, I, I, I'll, I'll go. Fuck. Uh, Frank, Frank is handsome. <laughs> all right. So one night with Frank. Um, um, marry, marry Fizz, and, uh, I'm gonna, I, I'll Whoa! Whoa, this like, is, this is, because, here's my answer. The, I, I am, I'm so offended by the, dis, the besmirching of Lance Thomas's good name that, um, <laughs> I don't think he deserves to be on this earth with, <laughs> don't appreciate all of the things that he brings. So I'm going to kill him to put him out of his own misery that he doesn't have to deal with fucks like you who, 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 you know, are, say mean things about him. Wow. Well, um, I'm definitely killing Lance Thomas real quick. That was like the easiest choice possible. Um, I'll definitely do fuck Fisdale because he'll definitely seem like the guy who does a really good one night stand and that's, you know, you just kind of need that one night for him. And then, uh, I'm marrying Frank because that means I get to be with him for the rest of my life. We can do whatever we want. It's not just a one night stand with me and Frank. We're doing it every single night. So he's 21 now, right? Am I allowed to say that? Yeah, I, I thought about that before I answered the oh, question. Oh boy, I was gonna. We need that you, uh, the you, Jesus you, problematic light right uh, there. Luck, for a luckily, moment. you have the power to edit this podcast. No, no, I don't edit it. I just, you know, whatever, whatever's recorded <laughs> goes up. Um, yeah, this is pretty easy for me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna marry Frank. I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna fuck, fuck Fizz and I'm gonna kill Lance. But like the thing with Frank is like he's handsome, but like he also is French, right? So he's probably has extremely good cultured taste in food and wine. So you can oh, like yeah, have good, nice dinners out with him. He can probably cook, I bet. Um, 
That's the hygiene, though. You gotta live with him for the rest of the. Don't, don't French. Do they use Frank? Frank looks Frank, pretty, He looks clean. Frank definitely yeah. smells like elderflowers and like rhubarb <laughs> or something like that. He <laughs> probably smells elegant at all times. That's fair. You know who doesn't? Lance Thomas. He definitely does. You know, does see, this is this is why I put him out of his misery. He doesn't deserve this. Is Lance is Lance gonna get added to the coaching staff? I is he gonna be the next Herb? Can I tell you, I've actually spent, like, minutes of, of multiple days this offseason wondering where Lance is going to end up next season, and um, I don't know. I don't know. All right, I want to give you guys the choice of the last question to answer by a friend of the show, James Marcita. Okay. Um, we're gonna, I'm going to give you three Can we questions. stop calling him friend of the show? What do you want to call him? Just an asshole. All right, asshole of the show, James Marcita. We have three questions I'm going to give you. What's the best uh, Italian-American slur? Uh, Guido, Ginzo, Greasehead, Wop. Um, <laughs> That's um, marinara or Bolognese. Or, um, hold on. I gotta, I'm going to read it specifically because it's, it's an important one. Please power rank the following holidays and special occasions. Christenings, Easter, First Communions, Christmas Eve, Weddings, Christmas Day, Confirmations. <laughs> um, which one are we answering I, I'll answer the holiday one okay. um, can you just run it off uh, one more time yeah, so it's christenings, Easter, first communions Christmas Eve, weddings Christmas Day, confirmations so any all of the religious ones where it's, it's there's no food involved and it's just a fucking religious thing like christening confirmation, what was the other one like back weddings no there was one other, it was Chris, it was a confirmation or something on yeah, there? Yeah, yeah confirmation. Yeah. yeah, those are all at the fucking bottom, because who, who the fuck has time? Um, Christmas Day is number one, because you get basketball, um, and there's just food throughout the day, and you could start drinking. Like, there's not many times where it's socially acceptable to drink. At, like, with, 8 in the morning. With co- yeah, exactly, with company, um, <laughs> you know, starting at, like, 8 a.m. Christmas is one of those days. So Christmas is number one. Um, it's also my wife's favorite holiday, so I'll give her little props for that. Uh, I'll put Christmas Eve number two, um, and I'll put weddings before Easter, because even though there is generally good food on Easter and weddings can suck, a great wedding is, like, there's not much better than a great wedding. Isn't um, a good even even a good wedding is better than a great Easter. I yes, but again, there I I mean we've all been to shitty weddings where you're just like oh my god this this sucks. Um, so those exist. So yeah, hmm. that's, that's my take. Well, James forgot uh, Palm Sunday and Ash Wednesday on one of these things too because <laughs> everyone everyone knows that uh, Palm Sunday you got to get the church and you got to get those goddamn palms that. Don't fucking die. Uh, like, I'm surprised that wasn't on there. Ash Wednesday, I mean, if you're not rocking the, you know, the cross on your forehead that day, I mean, that's more important than I think any communion whatsoever. But, um, no, I think I'm going to answer the marinara bolognese. It's got to be the bolognese, right? Yeah, I, 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 feel I don't like know how that's a question. Yeah, I don't know how that's a question either. Like, marinara is, like, fine, like, you know. It's like, it's more of like a vehicle to anything else. If we're like, yeah, I'm going to dip it, you know, with some mozzarella sticks, or I'm going to use this marinara as the base for my pizza. But, uh, you can do that with the bolognese too, and it's going to be great. So, I'm definitely. It has to be, it has to be a good, again, like wedding. It has to be a good bolognese, because if a bad bolognese is like, get this, get this meat out of the way, um, if it's not, if it's not tasty. 
So that's what she said. That's what she said. Goodness gracious, I love it. (laughs) All right, we are going to end up on that joke. I don't know. Wait, uh, what's the best Italian American slur? Guido Ginzo. Grew up. Guido. Um, definitely Ginzo. I like I like WAP. Yeah, WAP's also WAP's strong. WAP's strong. And that's why it's that's why it's the best one because you're just like oh you're actually going there you're actually calling me a wop like okay like, <laughs> it's the most okay. offensive it's the most offensive thing like if I got called a wop today I'd, I'd be like are you fucking kidding me <laughs> I don't like do people even use I I don't actually think that happens anymore right not in not in common parlance no I don't think they do no but I, I'm pretty sure that still goes on the Staten Island all the time where Macri's from where he lives. Yeah, where Macri lives. He lives I'm there. I, 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 I lied. I'm there right now. I'm, I'm <laughs> sitting at my. I don't know. What, what do people do in Staten Island? It's been a while for me. Right, sitting in the true. backyard with a cigar. I was gonna say you're just gonna be in your backyard with a cigar with like the music blasting. Like, I, got, I, I actually I've turned down Sinatra for the whole hour and whatever. In, in, in his robe. In his. In his robe. robe. In my with pool with my ducks. <laughs> I'm gonna cry. I'm gonna cry when the ducks leave. <laughs> Oh man! All right, guys. Uh, Macri, do you got anything to plug besides uh, Futternix podcast? <laughs> um, no. If anybody out there is listening that hasn't signed up for um, the Knicks Film School newsletter, go to my Twitter page, uh, JC Macri MBA, or uh, JB's Twitter page. Which I think if you just search for Knicks Film School, it'll come up. Um, it will, it'll cost you a lot. Um, it is, it is zero dollars, so it'll, it'll cost you the three seconds it takes to type in your email address. Um, and yeah, we're, we're doing the newsletters every Thursday. Um, I will be releasing a few podcasts throughout the summer. Just recorded one with Mo Hamilton yesterday. That was fun. Um, so check that out. And, uh, my final plug will be for you guys. Everybody listening to this show should keep listening to the show because um, it's nice to have two people who will say exactly what they think and they don't give – they just give negative fucks what anybody thinks about it um, and they're just going to say what they think is the right thing to say. And there's um, – we didn't talk about it in the writing segment of the NBA, um, but everybody – including me, is always concerned about how what they say is going to be taken and perceived. And you guys, you say what you think is the right thing to say, which um, I give you a the wrong thing to say. What? It's often the wrong thing. I'll give you, I just, I'll give you both um, a lot of credit for that. Um, and you, and obviously, and you do it well. You're both really also fucking good at, um, your what you say and about uh your analysis and all that. So uh kudos to you guys, man. That was that was that was that was beautiful. That was beautiful, Mac. What I can. Schwinn, you plugging anything? Uh I don't know. I have some fucking season previews or something I'm gonna write at some point when I awake from my NBA slumber. Um <laughs> I'm in that same boat. Yeah, it's been hard. I don't know. I'm actually enjoying not following the NBA at all and not getting mad about like stupid things um that people seem to get mad about in August uh yep. so yeah I've been other than that like uh that Matt Moore thing that triggered me yesterday uh I don't even I don't even I have not cared I don't I haven't followed anything about the NBA in the last month um or not the last month but you know what I'm saying yeah. um and it feels great 
But yeah, I'm definitely with you there. Just kind of like disconnecting from uh, this whole time, especially now because you get to watch TV shows, read some books, kind of do other things. Um, I'm trying to think what to uh, what to plug. Um, stay tuned at your uh, your local Trader Joe's. We are going to be getting uh, local jalapeno chomps. And, oh! if you know what, and if you don't know what chomps are, they are meat sticks. So um, Love jalapeno meat sticks, definitely got to get those. Um, we have some new local produce at the uh, the local Boston shop. So I definitely want to come in, grab some of that. And um, I, too, am going to plug the uh, the Posting Toasting Show. It's hosted by uh, Drew Steele and Ashwin Ramna <laughs> and Jonathan Macri and <laughs> Budum Budum. Yeah, and, uh, when, you, when you get a chance, just uh, listen to that. So, and that's our show. Um, stay tuned for next week. We're I, I don't know what we're doing yet. We'll uh, we'll figure it we're out. We're gonna have our, we're gonna have asshole the show James Marcedon. Oh, we're having asshole the show James Marcedon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope uh, I hope now he cancels when he's just gonna be like we're saying it right now. Like, hey, James is gonna be on, and he's gonna be like, yeah, no, it's like five o'clock in uh, Berkeley, and I can't get up, and it's like, yeah, oh well, tough shit. All right, good that's stuff, a, guys. That's up. Thanks, Mac. All right, see you, everyone. <laughs>